Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night to everyone listening at whatever time you're listening. I am Jonathan Mark. You can call me Jan for short, and this is the Mental Health Check-In Podcast, a podcast dedicated to bringing mental health awareness as a means to help us all heal, and I think we should all heal together. And currently today, we're going to be healing with a very special guest who I'm excited to talk to. She is a really a jack-of-all-trades, so to speak. She is a confidence coach, former therapist, TV host, actor, tennis player, um, <laughs> uh, a whole lot of things. Just someone I'm very excited to talk to. Her name is Vasavi Kumar. How are you doing today? And did I say that right? I feel like I did say it right. So you definitely said it wrong and that's okay. I think I'm so sorry. Pra- it's okay. I think when we practice stuff over and over again, we end up getting in our heads. And uh, yeah, like I, I honestly think that's what happened, but it's Vasavi. You did a great job no matter what. And it's okay. Thank you for listeners, for listeners here at home. I try my best to like practice at like five, 10 minutes before we were on the air, but I think I got in my own head, like you said, but yeah, we're past it now. We're past it. It happens. <laughs> so how are you feeling on a physical, mental, emotional level right now? God, I already love these questions. These are mm-hmm. questions that I would ask my clients. Um, okay. So oddly enough, so physically my throat, like now that it's like winter time here, it's like starting to get winter time here in Austin, Texas. I've been sleeping with the heat on. And because of that, my throat has been getting really dry. And um, this morning I like coughed and like, it was like dry and a little blood came out. I'm just being completely honest. And I kind of freaked out a little bit. I'm like, why am I coughing up blood? And I was like, I looked it up, of course, WebMD to the rescue. And it's just dry throat because the minute I drank like a ton of warm water, I was fine. But I'm like, this is, this is freaking me out. So, um, anyway i did go to a heated yoga class after that mentally i feel great i am sharp i am clear i am focused Uh, i'm excited to be here spiritually i feel great um physically i all other than the dry blood coming out of my throat this morning um i feel really good because i went to a hour-long yoga class moved my body sweat feel really good um yeah emotionally feeling good had a few things on my mind from yesterday but sorted through it uh, was kind to myself, gentle, gentle with myself as I do, as I am with myself uh, when I'm going through a rough time. And uh, I'm here today. Excited to be here. Okay. And I'm kind of glad you said that too. Not the part about you coughing blood. That sounds concerning. And I'm glad yeah. you're okay now. Yeah. But one thing I really zeroed in on there was when you said that you were kind of going through some stuff yesterday and you decided to be kind to yourself. And and just some, it's almost interesting happenstance because I was talking to someone very recently about being kind to themselves, how they need to be kinder to themselves. But I understand that's also something that's easier said than done. So for listeners at home who need to be a little kinder to themselves when they're in a rut or they're not feeling very confident in themselves, how do you go about being kinder to yourself? Yeah, I want to say this, like it, 
it is so much easier said than done. I'm a total asshole to myself. You know, we, we always talk about like, oh, the haters that are out there. I'm like, I'm the biggest hater. Are you kidding me? I'm the biggest hater to myself. I'm not concerned about what other people think of me if other people are going to like me because it's like I am the meanest person to myself. So I like you can't say anything to me that I have not already said to myself times 10, right? So I just want to say that because we focus so much on how other people treat us where in actuality, we should really be looking at how we treat ourselves. And when we when we really start to raise the standard for how we treat ourselves by ourselves, then what other people do say or think really becomes irrelevant. So how do we begin to do that? Um, I think this is like the, the, the question, right? It's like, how can we develop more love and compassion and kindness? So first thing you have to notice and just admit and own is that you've been unkind to yourself. Like notice when you're being a jerk to yourself, right? It's just like, would you talk to somebody else like this? If a little child was next to you experiencing the same emotions that you're experiencing, would you be unkind to them? Or would, I mean, and if you would, then that, that, that's a lot, right? Like if you're going to be mean to a kid, that's how you're treating yourself. But that's the one thing that I always look at is just like, I pay attention to how I feel in my body. Like when I'm like yesterday, I was really upset about something. I was angry, actually. I was livid yesterday. I got into a conversation with my mother and she just blew up at me. And I've been dealing with her emotional volatility since I was a kid. We've always had to walk on eggshells around our mother, my sister and I. And something about yesterday and the conversation and how she did it, I just had enough. And she hung up on me, so I couldn't even say anything back to her, right? And I remember getting off the phone and uh, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of saying it out loud, right? I mean, I'm I've been in therapy since I was 12 years old. I'm writing a book, which is, I just signed my publishing deal. I have a book coming out in spring of 2023 called Say It Out Loud. And so I talked to myself out loud. And when I got off the phone with her yesterday, I, I was so angry. I was so angry. And I let myself be angry because I think for a very long time, anytime I felt angry, I would immediately rationalize how I felt right? Like, oh, don't be so angry. Don't be so angry, right? Don't make a big deal about it. But I don't, when you do that, you don't actually let the emotion move through you, right? It just kind of, you're just shutting it up, just like how everyone else has shut you up your whole life. But then when you don't allow that emotion to pass through you, it just sits there and then it'll come out in the most weird situations where you're like, why did I just get so angry? Like, you know, the, you know, traffic, traffic makes you angry, right? Like, traffic should not be making you angry, right? Like what's really going on here? You know what I mean? So I just, uh, I, I yelled out loud to myself. I was, I was put, unloading the dishwasher and I was pissed off and I was like, God damn it. Why does she have to act like that? And I didn't, I noticed that there was a part of me that wanted to be like, no, stop being angry. And it's like, no, I'm not gonna, no, I'm angry right now. And I let that, I was angry for three hours. I let myself be angry for three hours. Cause that's 39 years of anger. That's just kind of in me. You know, and so I, anytime I feel something, I just let myself feel it. I notice when I try to rationalize it. I notice when I try to sweep it under the rug. I notice when I try to tell myself to calm down, it's okay, bypass it, rationalize the other person's behavior. I just sit with myself and I let it come out. And that's me being kind to myself, holding that space for myself, like I do with everyone in my life. So that's really it, right? Notice, notice the anger, notice the emotion, feel the emotion. Stop telling yourself to stop feeling that way. Let yourself feel it, have your experience, and then come back to that same situation from a kinder, calmer place and revisit it within yourself.
really like the sound of that. Well, you said a lot of things I really liked, and it gave me a couple of thoughts I don't want to lose, but I really want to zero in on how you're talking about anger first and how it's important to kind of feel that. And like you said, I think that because anger is such an uncomfortable feeling, so many people want to just get past it or ignore it or in some cases invalidate their own feelings like you said you kept kind of telling yourself oh i'm i don't need to be angry i have no reason to be angry because people don't want to sit with that emotion and i would lump myself in with those types of people like i don't even when i'm angry i don't even really associate with myself i always when talking about when i get angry i call it coming out of my body because i can't I don't want to associate myself with these these volatile feelings, but in more recent years, I've learned that it's better to just allow yourself to feel. And if you have to scream, if you gotta yell, be it at just yourself while putting in laundry or at someone else, you have to do that because if you don't, it's gonna come out as a microaggression, either as either towards yourself or towards someone else. And you don't want to let some like tiny things set off an argument or something like that. So, or even just let that anger simmer, you know, like anger is very much like a fire and it just kind of builds and builds and builds. It doesn't really get put out until you, sometimes you have to let that flame extinguish on its own rather than try to put it out. And I think it's really valuable that you said that because again, like a lot of people, invalidate their own feelings at risk of calming themselves down but sometimes you have to not bolster yourself up but kind of just just feel that anger I think Mm -hmm. just feel that anger and let it move through you we're so afraid of our own feelings you know I grew up with a dad who very much kept the peace he's very much a peacekeeper and I got that quality from him especially because like my like he would always just kind of put up with like my mom's anger And I never, I was like, why do you put up with that? You know, and I know where it comes from having been in therapy, being a therapist myself, I understand why I am the way I am. But, you know, here's the thing that I want to tell people is that like, you can know why you do something and still keep doing it. And it doesn't always benefit you to know why, because when we get stuck in the why we can keep peeling back layer after layer after layer of the why of things and still not make any sort of behavioral changes. So contrary to popular belief, as someone who's been in therapy more than half of her life, you know what it really takes to change our behavior is not so much understanding the origin story. Like, yes, that matters. And sitting with yourself, talking out loud to yourself, processing your emotions externally. When I say I'm an internal processor, that's, that's not the right word. I spend a lot of time in solitude talking out loud so I can hear myself because I can keep talking to other people. I can keep going to my therapist, keep going to my therapist, but the most powerful aha moments, epiphanies, and like comforting moments has, have been with myself when I talk and hear myself and I comfort myself and I give myself what I've been seeking from everybody else, which is validation and soothing. Right? So I don't know how I got on this, but I, I, I just, what I really want your audience to hear is to Spend time with yourself, really getting to know yourself and allowing yourself to sit through the most uncomfortable emotions. You're not going to die. You, you will not die. I'll tell you this as someone who's in recovery. I'm two and a half years clean from cocaine. I never thought that I could ever be with the thoughts in my head without needing to get drunk or 
get high or anything like that because the my mind is really dark. Like I can go to some pretty freaking dark places. <laughs> some of the things that I've thought in my life are just like so dark. I mean, I have no problem sharing them out loud. That's not the point. But the point is like what really helped me get and stay sober was to be able to sit with myself even when I felt so gross and ugly and, and insignificant and small. And I had committed to myself to be sober. So I didn't have anything to really reach to, to numb those emotions, right? And I was newly single. Like I, I felt like all sorts of loser status. Like I didn't have anything to deal with my emotions. And so having to sit through all of those feelings and not doing anything with it. Like I didn't do anything. I just felt it. I just felt it. I had to wake up every day, feel like shit, go to sleep feeling like shit. And then one day I was just like, okay, you know what? What can I do? What's like one thing I can do today? Okay, let me like start drinking water first thing in the morning. Literally, I started building my life back little by little. I started with just drinking water with sea salt and lemon every day. That's it. I said, let me do that for 30 days straight. Okay, great. Next month. Let me start by walking half a mile every morning. I just started building because when we think about all the changes that we want to make or need to make, it can feel like they're so huge. And then we just give up before we even get started. So don't let what people have told you about, you know, it's complicated to love you or you're too much. Don't let that stop you from learning to love yourself. You're actually a lot simpler to love than you give yourself credit for, right? That's helped me along the way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And to piggyback off that, I think that by just kind of spending time with yourself and getting out of your own head that some people may think that you're quote unquote difficult to love. When you spend enough time with yourself, you kind of learn to love yourself, even if you have to kind of force yourself to love yourself, I think, especially in like the last year, two years, however long it's been that since the world was thrust into chaos, you know, and mm-hmm. in that chaos, a lot of people were forced to stay at home and live with their own thoughts, live with their own selves. And for a lot of people, that's an uncomfortable feeling. But I think, just speaking from my perspective, I think feelings like that kind of bring you clarity. You Mm -hmm. get a clear idea of not only what you want, but what you don't have and want to strive for if you just sit and marinate with those thoughts and feelings day in and day out. And kind of like you said, like when you're stuck in your head for so long, it kind of compels you to want to change like if I'm very much proponent of if things are difficult in your life nine times out of ten or in certain situations of course different people have different things going on but in cases where you can make the change yourself it needs to be a conscious decision and for a lot of people they have to go through something difficult before they can tell themselves well I want to consciously make a change in my life where I want to consciously be happy at least it happened to me I can only speak for myself in this scenario I suppose when things were difficult I kind of just told myself I'm and I've talked about this on this podcast before but I told myself I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and I went out of my way to kind of try my best to not be so sick and tired anymore and it was a journey for sure, but a lot of good things came out of it. I made some very valuable changes in my life and I'm, I'm happy to say I'm happy because of it. I think I kind of like spiraled into just mouth vomit right there, but you, you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah, I absolutely get what you're saying. And you know, one thought that I had as a, you know, like if you cannot 
Like there's no way in hell, I'm sorry, no matter what or how good you think or no matter how nice you dress or no matter the fancy vacations you take, all the stuff, whatever your life is like, there's no way you can experience true joy, true joy, unless you experience true pain and and so and like sit through it because your threshold right it, go, it goes both ways if your limit and i know your your audience can't see this because we're on video but if your limit is like right here this is the amount of pain i can tolerate that's it i can't do then like if that's your limit how do you expect yourself to experience unlimited joy right because you're stopping here you're one whole person right so it's like to the extent that you can experience your pain is the extent that you can experience your pleasure Right. So you, if, if you think like, oh, I don't want to sit with my discomfort. Well, it's like, OK, well, do you not want to have happiness in your life? Do you not want to experience true pleasure in your life? Because there's no way you can do that. Where you're unwilling to go deeper in one area is where you're unwilling to go in another, because, especially when, as it relates to our emotions and our feelings, because we are it's all connected. We are all connected. When we were talking about anger and like how you were bringing up your parents, that kind of brings me to just the idea of I realize that we don't talk about this a lot on this podcast but just how people may get increasingly infuriated with their parents or they may be at odds with their parents and for a lot of people that's one thing that they can't really change like you can't really change your family and in some cases you can't really avoid your family and especially in cases where you love your family or you love your parents lovingly but every now and again, they can drive you crazy. So I guess I want to ask you, can you give some advice to people who may have, uh, what's the word? Uh, I guess difficult relationships with their families or how to navigate that. Yeah, so not everyone maybe has the luxury of doing this, but you know, if you can separate yourself for a little bit, that's okay. It's okay. Like, I, I will tell you this, I, I may be the wrong person to be asking. I don't have a sense of loyalty to family. I have a loyalty to myself, first and foremost, always. I do not feel emotionally responsible for anybody in my family anymore. And that took a really long time. I used to feel so responsible for my father emotionally to be his happy little girl, to make sure that mom was treating him right. And you know what ends up happening when you constantly caretake your father all the time is that you end up becoming rehab, emotional rehab centers for the men that you date. So I'm done. Like, I'm just, I'm just really honest. Like, I, I love them. I'm grateful. Thank you for giving me life. I also am not responsible for you and your emotions. And that took a lot of time. And it, it, I know it can sound so callous. And people may be like, man, you're really harsh. And it's like, I'm actually one of the softest, most sensitive people you will ever meet. But to maintain my own mental health and my sanity, I just needed to separate myself. So I do live away from my parents. They live on the East Coast. We're originally New Yorkers, but I live in Austin, Texas. I mean, you know, my dad's getting older, so I do FaceTime him. I try to FaceTime him a few times a week. I mean, we're Indian, so we like we literally talk to our parents every day, you know, but I just don't anymore. And uh, I just I'm just very honest about how I feel. Like if I don't like something like don't like if my mom snaps at me or if she takes her anger out on me. I, I don't just put up with it. I just say, don't talk to me that way, period. Because here's the thing. If you cannot be honest with your parents, it's going to be a lot harder for you to be honest with anyone in your life. Because those are your, those are the, those are the people, those are your primary <laughs> caregivers, right? If you cannot be open and honest with your parents, 
that relationship sets forth every relationship that you have moving forward. So for me, I felt like it was my job to always take care of my dad. And so I always attracted men in my life and I was attracted to men in my life that I could emotionally take care of. We wonder why we picked certain partners. Why do we gravitate towards certain types of men, women, friendships, jobs, bosses? Well, you know, if, if you're like, I don't like my boss, well, who do they remind you of, mom or dad? Because we, we're until we heal that primary wound with our parents, we are going to keep attracting people like that in our lives. And we'll pick people in our lives that we can heal that primary relationship with over and over again. So if your parents are no longer around or your caregivers aren't around, that doesn't mean that you cannot heal. But I think the first step would be to acknowledge, man, I'm really fucked up childhood. So many people that come to me that I've worked with in the past are like, my parents were great. I had the best childhood. And it's like, really? Like the fact that you can't see anything and you were like, you're, you're like delusional in my mind. Like you, you're telling me everything was perfect. Like the fact that you even think that it's perfect tells me right now that you're fucked up because there's no such thing as a perfect childhood. You know what I mean? So it's mm -hmm. like, if you, can, if you can have that conversation with your parents, if you have the courage to have that conversation with your family and be like, and just stand up to them and, or call them out or just kind of share how you feel, then fine. But First thing I would say is if you've tried everything and nothing is changing, first of all, you can't change anybody. Number one, first and foremost, stop trying to change people because you can't at all. Um, but I would say, you know, separation is healthy. Distance is good. And, you know, and then maybe, you know, go, go work on yourself, go do your thing. And then if you want to, you know, come back and test the waters and talk to them, you'll probably find that they're still the same. They're still exactly the same, but your response to them will change. And that's what growth is you might realize growth for you means you don't talk to them and you're fine with that because your peace of mind matters more than maintaining familial ties. It's up to you. Oh, yes, 100%. And I completely agree with that, especially, and I guess like without you like outwardly saying it, like you kind of, what you described was saying a boundary with the people you love, both physical and I guess metaphorical boundary. And I think boundaries are important to navigate with the people you love not necessarily with everybody there's some people in your life especially strangers who you don't really owe a boundary to like some people you just need to cut off at the seams if they are just not good for your life but for the people that you actually love be it family be it friends or anything of that nature of people you're close to you need to set some sort of a boundary to kind of maintain your sanity and also just, I'm not sure the right word for it, but basically to me, a boundary is just a way of saying, I love you, but there are certain rules in place for me to keep loving you. Like I still want to love you, but we have to do X, Y, Z together to, I guess, grow together. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's easier. Like, listen, if, if, you as a collective unit with your family was like, listen, I want some healing. Let's heal together. Let's you to work on our stuff. Let's you work on your stuff. I work on my stuff, whatever. Great. Wouldn't that be amazing? But most people do not think they need to change. And um, they don't, you know, most people will live in the finger pointing and the blaming and shaming game rather than take responsibility for themselves. So I'm saying rather than spending your time and energy to get people on board and like, let the healing begin, heal your damn self. That's it. One, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
1000%. And especially in the case of, like you said, if you are with someone you love, again, parent, family, friend, partner, anything of the sorts, where they're just not respecting those boundaries, or they just don't respect you and they make it clear every time where they say it directly or indirectly that they don't respect you, be it finger pointing or name calling, anything like that, or even just flout, worst case scenario, abusive behavior, then that's when you cut someone off at the seams. And that's when you especially go out for yourself. I think that, like you said before, that you think that someone may perceive you as being callous by saying you need to go for yourself. But I, I personally don't think it's callous. I think that no one, not even your family is, not even your family has to necessarily live with you as much as you do no one knows you better than you no one knows your needs your wants your desires better than you and if you can't verbalize or identify those needs then if you look around your relationships are going to suffer as a result so the best thing to do is do what's best for you and sometimes that may be saying, hey, I need a break from you. I love you, but I need a break from you. Or I can't see you every day. I can't talk to you every day, but I can talk to you once a week. I can talk to you every other week. I can talk to you every other day or however you want to navigate those relationships. But first and foremost, you have to figure out what you want and need for the sake of, for sake of your sanity, for the sake of you, basically. I mean, and, and this is why this is why introspection and some time apart is actually healthy, because once you get clear on what you need, who, first of all, not even what you need, who you are, who are you? And based on who you are, what do you need? And that and by the way, that can evolve and change what you needed last year may be different than this year. Perfect example in spring and summertime of this year, I was playing tennis like four to five days a week. Right. I love tennis. Um, I like to channel my inner Serena. Everyone should watch King Richard, by the way. It's so good, which is the movie by Will Smith. And um, anyway, spring spring and summertime, I play tennis and now it's winter and I'm like, oh, I'm craving yoga. Like, it's just like the seasons. We change. We're allowed to change what we need, what we don't. But like, you have to know yourself and be tapped in to really understand. And, And how can you be so tapped in? It's a lot harder when you're constantly focused externally what other people are doing and you have the drama of other people like I love nothing more Joe than to like and I'm actually an introvert even though I do these interviews and stuff people don't know this I'm an introvert through and through like I'm hanging out with two of my um friends tonight and they're a married couple and they invited me over to decorate their Christmas tree right I was like cool awesome but you know they invited me over at seven so I know like my cutoff time is like I'll be home by like 9 30 10 I'm like okay that's it like that's what I'm like I'm not like a let's do this and let's do that like you got to know yourself you got to know your limits you got to know when you want to go home you got you know and, and stop feeling so bad for having needs right like I even over Thanksgiving when I went to my girlfriend's house she went to this huge mansion for like all of her family members she invited us over to watch a movie and we went and like, it was already like 9.30 by the time we, the movie was starting. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to leave. Bye, love you. She understood. But see, that's the thing. My point is I was clear about my boundary. Like I'm leaving and I have friends in my life that are also respectful of their own boundaries. So that's why who you getting clear on your boundaries, expressing those boundaries, but having people in your life who also honor their needs and boundaries is important. That way you're not explaining yourself. You're not apologizing. It's like, nope, not doing it. And everyone is like, okay, I release you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, you don't have to apologize for having needs. That's it. Relationships are so much easier when everyone's respecting themselves. 
Exactly. And uh, I'll piggyback off that, just say a quick thing and then we can pivot elsewhere. But I think that like that's kind of something that goes, I guess, unnoticed as well. Like a lot of people are afraid of kind of like verbalizing their thoughts and fears or even just as simple as changing their mind because they're thinking, oh, like I already committed to this. Like what if my friends don't like me or this, that, and the third. But like people understand most more often than not, especially if they're very close, they will understand and respect your boundaries. Like again, prime example, I was in a similar situation. I was hanging out a little bit and and one of my friends invited me out to hang out with some other friends. And like he said he needed to get something really quick. And initially I agreed, but while he was away, I thought about it and I'm like, well, I don't want to be out this long. I gotta get up at five in the morning for work. Let me just let me just basically changed my mind because and again he understood the all of our friend group understood and basically I think it's important to kind of reevaluate situations actions anything like that you need to reevaluate things every so often sometimes you need to reevaluate the friends you're hanging around with sometimes you need to reevaluate your relationship with the people in your life be it a partner or family sometimes you need to reevaluate something as simple as your job like am I happy with this job do I want to be at this job and then just kind of give yourself well let me reevaluate this this much time has passed do I want to maintain this job do I want to maintain this relationship and reevaluating something or just change your mind can be as long of a process of let me see how I feel now and then see how I feel six months from now if there's another job opportunity or let me see how I feel six weeks from now or let me see how I feel six minutes from now. But regardless of how wide that gap is or how short or long that time span is, it's okay to change your mind is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I'm thinking about my own podcast, right? I've been running my podcast now. It's been almost two years. We've had literally, we've been nonstop for two, almost two years straight. My last episode is um, in two weeks. And it's like, I had clients ask me like, oh my God, you're done with the podcast. I'm like, for right now, like I'm taking a break. You can do whatever you want. You can literally do whatever you want. Let me say something. Freedom is scary for people. We all say we want to have freedom, but we're really scared because we don't trust ourselves to actually make the right decision. So do you really want freedom? Or, you know, is there part of us that still slightly wants to be controlled? And that boils down to lack of trust, you know? But um, it's just funny, like the people who say that they want freedom the most just kind of find themselves in situations where they're still being controlled. It's like, do you really want freedom? Because if you did, you would get out of that thing. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's just something to think about. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned the podcast, too. I'm not sure if I remember saying that at the start, but you do have a podcast, the Being Human podcast. And as I introduced you at the start of the podcast, you are a jack of all trades, so to speak. You basically involved in business. You were involved in therapy. You are involved in podcasting. You're acting. You do TV. You do coaching and you do all these different things. And I think it's so interesting when I run into people who basically have just a whole resume of different things they do, mm-hmm. just because like for a lot of people, it's hard to pick one thing to do in their life and you do a bunch of things. I think choosing what you want to do professionally, especially, I think that takes a certain insight, for lack of a better word. You have to really understand what you want and what you feel and just trust your intuition about the things about the journeys you decide to go on. So I guess I want to ask you, how can not just yourself on a personal level, but 
to give advice to people, how can people just trust themselves, trust their guts to go into the things they want to do, trust their instincts, their insights to do what they want to do, be it one thing or a thousand things? First of all, I want to make something abundantly clear that I don't freaking know when I go into the stuff that I do, if it's going to work out. I just do it because I want to. That's it. I have no idea whether, you know, so I, I would like to give a snapshot of my trajectory, right? So I got my first, ma I'm 39 now. I got my first master's in special ed. Then I was like, hell no, I don't want to work in the public school system. Then I lived in India for a year because I love India. Um, I love India and I volunteered with um, survivors of sex trafficking. While I was in India, I go, you know what? I've been in therapy since I was 12. I want to help other people. I'm going to do it in this way. I'm going to get my master's in social work. I went to Columbia University, got my master's in social work. That was 10 years, that was 11 years ago. Then around that time, the coaching industry was starting to boom. And my mom's friend sent me an article on the coaching industry. And I was like, man, coaching sounds awesome because I can blend my love of digging into people's past with coaching, which is really about setting the future up for yourself by looking at your present. I can help people with their past, present, and future. So that's how I looked at it, right? So I went into a year-long coaches training program. From there, they in the program, they invited us to start working with clients. I was like, oh my God, I'm like literally making money being myself right now. Oh, I didn't even know that this was entrepreneurship. I didn't even know I was running a business. Um, and so I was um, running my own business. I had like six clients I was, and I, 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 I spammed everyone in my Gmail address book to let everyone know that I was taking clients 550 a month. That's how much I was charging back then. And then after that, I, I started getting out there and doing like conventions, like health conventions. And then from that experience, I got invited to be a, a life coach on VH1's Basketball Wives as a life coach. I was one of the main stars life coaches. So then I got to experience television. And when I was, you know, I was on radio, I had my own radio show. I was a lifestyle expert reoccurring on a morning show where I lived. I was living in Kansas City at the time after I got married. Uh, so then I got to experience like television and media. And I was like, oh my God, I love this. I love this. So I was still helping people. I was just doing it on TV and I was doing it through radio and I was interviewing New York Times bestselling authors. Then um, I got burnt out. My marriage was falling apart. I needed a change. I didn't want to live in Kansas. And I said to my husband, we need to move. So we just moved to Austin, Texas. I went to culinary school in Austin. I just stopped my business, joined culinary school for a year. And I said, I want to learn how to cook. Um, I love to eat, going to learn how to cook. Right. And I, that was a really good reset for me. I learned how to like reset my relationship with my body through food. Right. I went to plant-based culinary school. I was already a vegetarian. And then from there, I got back into my business. I was on Food Network also. Got back into my business, started coaching, doing all this stuff, got divorced. Um, after I got divorced, stuff was really dark for me. Got into a really bad relationship, became an addict, became a cokehead, went to rehab twice. You know, it was awful. The, my mid-30s were probably the darkest period of my life. I'm sober now. Here I am, two and a half years clean. Um, but I, I've always gone back to what I love, which is to help people and use the media to do that period. And now I'm helping other people get confident on camera. There's nothing, everything that I've done has brought me to this point. I have a book deal now, so I'm getting my message out there. It can feel all over the place for a lot of people, but there's a commonality amongst all of it, which is being visible and helping people feel seen in their own lives. So I use my experiences getting on these podcasts as part of my strategy to help people feel seen through my words. Like my, that's why I tell my personal stories and stories of my clients, because I want my audience listeners, even if your audience, whatever to know, like, oh, I'm not alone. So my, my mission has always been the same is to help people feel seen. 
and to help people know that they're not alone. I just use multiple media platforms to do it. And that brings me to just another question, I guess. And outside of these platforms, if you were just in like, let's say, a one-on-one coaching session, what do you say or what exercises do you do to help your client feel as confident as they can possibly be? You can't do anything in one session, first of all. Second of all, um, every session is different with all my clients. Everyone's issues are different, but the same. And here's why. We all know what we need to do. I refuse to treat any of my clients or people who come to me like they don't know. You know, you've been, like you said, you said this, we've been living with ourselves. We know ourselves better than anybody else. But sometimes all it takes is for some one person to be like, why aren't you doing that thing? Or here's the next step. And like, it's like, oh, okay. We're just looking for permission. We're looking for validation. I have a client who will message me and be like, hey, do you think I should do this? And I'll message him back and be like, do you think you should do this? Why did you make me God of your life right now? What do you think? I always want to tell my client, what do you think? Like, of course, if a client comes to me and is like, oh, what do you think of this um, copy that I've written on my page? Or what do you think of this like marketing thing that I'm doing? I, I will tell them, I'll give them my brain advice, right? Like I will, I will give them my thing, but my advice, but more often than not, my client already knows what to do. It's nice to have a good sounding board, but I always want to put the power back in my client's hands. You know, we talk it out. We, I mean, all, all of our, um, the work that I do with my clients is verbal, right? Like it's, we use Voxer, which is a walkie talkie app to kind of say it out loud, how they're feeling. But if I were to get on a call with someone, one of the very first things that I would have them do is write down a don't want list. Instead of what do you want? What do you not want in your life? Because we can't even imagine what we want because we're so upset and, uh, and just irritated by the things in our life. Like, let's get it clear on paper. What do you not want? I don't want a nine to five job. I don't want a boss. I don't want a long ass commute. I don't want shitty people in my life. Okay, great. So then based on that, what do you want? Let's start creating that, but get really freaking clear about what you don't want and what you just like, you're done with, you're sick and tired of, you know? So that would be my very first thing. I do that with everyone though. I I never ask someone, what do you want? I say, what do you not want in your life? Oh yeah, I can definitely see how that's important. And we kind of been talking about that throughout this whole podcast, like how you need to know what you want before you can kind of make that conscious effort to commit to the change. And like, it reminds me of this one saying I heard fairly recently where this person was saying that if you want to learn how to swim, I can teach you how to swim, but you have to get in the water first. If you're petrified of getting in that water or you're petrified of the consequences, like, Oh, I'm going to drown or I'm going to embarrass myself in the water. Then there's nothing I can do. You have to get in that water. I can help you as much as I can help you, but you still have to consciously put yourself in that water. And it goes back to even what you were saying, how a lot of things you do, be it your masters, your schooling, your acting, your reality shows, all of that, you didn't know what you were going to expect. You didn't know the end game of it, but you decided to just try. You put your foot in that water and it's really paid off for you. Mm -hmm. And if you never consciously made that decision in your head, then I don't even think we'd be talking today, but you did. And I think a lot of people can learn from that. Thank you. Yeah. I just, I just want people to stop giving a fuck, like Mm -hmm. stop caring so much about what other people think. Literally. I, this is what I do. This has been my fuel. I picture myself on my deathbed saying out loud to myself, fuck, I should have done this. I cannot live with that. I cannot, I cannot have that be my reality. So that's why I don't get, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how stupid you think I am. I don't care if I make a, if I get on stage and I bomb, I don't care. 
because I would rather make a fool of myself trying than die wishing I would have done the thing. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm exactly the same way. Like I don't like having any like waves because I imagine myself on that type of deathbed as well. Like I don't want even not even just outside of a deathbed. I don't want to think like a month later or two weeks later, or oh, I wish I did this or I wish I did that because that will eat at me more than if I try something and I fail. Cause I've failed a lot of times, but I don't regret it because if I didn't fail, I didn't know I was going to fail. But if I don't do it, then I'm thinking, oh, that could have done really well, or that could have gone amazing, but I was too afraid to do that. But again, I have to put myself in that water. And that kind of brings me to the next question. That's partially related, I think, just because throughout this whole conversation, truth be told, you are one of the most honest and authentic people I've ever had the pleasure of talking to. And I'm very much a person who not only values honesty, but I try to be as honest and I thought, Honest and I, I I can't talk anymore. We've been talking for too long. <laughs> okay. Honest and authentic as possible. Even if it comes off as being blunt, mm -hmm. I just want 100% honesty out of other people. And I try to deliver that same honesty to others. But you've absolutely been that level of honest. So I guess I want to ask for people wondering how they can kind of be like you in that sense. <laughs> how do you become your most honest and authentic self? God damn, this is a good question. Um, you know, my, like being brute, like I want to say brutally honest. I don't think I'm brutally honest. I think I'm just, I think that's what like we say to women to like make them feel bad for being honest. I don't think I'm brutal. I don't think I'm brutal at all. I think if you're fucking weak, I'm brutal. My sobriety and just like my sanity depends on my honesty. Like if I'm not honest, I will go insane. Like literally in the membrane. Like if I'm lying, I, I cannot survive. I can't survive living a lie. Secrets make me sick. I get sick mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Like I will, you know, and I think a lot of this, I, I owe it to my 12 step and my recovery journey. Like if I lie to you, Joe, I could easily go to the convenience store and get a bottle of wine and then drink and then find some cocaine. If I can lie to you here, I can start lying to myself about stupid shit. So my life depends on me being honest. I can't lie. I can lie, but I literally cannot lie if I want to live. It's that easy. Like I, I've been to rehab not once, but twice, right? Like I know how to destroy my life. All I got to do is lie. I got to lie. I got to deny my feelings. I got to rationalize behaviors, mine, others. I have to numb myself with alcohol and drugs and uh, lose it all. I know how to lose my life. I know how to burn my life to the ground. I don't want to do that anymore. So I, I have to be honest. Like it's a do or die situation for me. I guess I'm kind of the same way just because like, not only can I just not just maintain a lie in my system, I'm, I've never been good at lying. Like if I lied right now, you could probably tell it in my face. Like I'm I start just... to stutter when I, when I lie, mm -hmm. I start to stutter and I, like I literally can't talk and mm -hmm. I will, say this when I was on television as a TV host I was lying about being sober this is before I went to rehab the second time I was lying to the producers I was lying to the director I was lying to everyone about being sober I'd show up to work Monday through Friday I'd get fucked up on a Friday be hung over you know Friday Saturday Sunday then come into work Monday my performance was affected on camera 
because I knew I lied. There's no way you can't lie to a live camera. Like a lot, you know what I mean? Like you can't, I couldn't do it. So I, I got fired after six months because of my lying. Like they didn't know I was lying. They they fired me because of my performance, but my performance suffered because I was lying. I haven't stuttered once on camera here. I haven't, that's because I'm not lying. When I'm not lying, I show up more powerfully. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. And it didn't feel good, did it? Like not, but now outside of the job I, thing, but just doesn't feel good to just harbor that secret. Yeah. I don't want to feel like shit about myself. I know how to hate myself. I've hated myself my whole life. I hate myself when I lie because I know that I'm lying. Exactly. Like lies kind of feel like a betrayal, I guess, like a betrayal to yourself. And like, I couldn't live myself with that, live with myself feeling like I betrayed someone else with just a lie, be a white lie or a big lie. I don't even think there's a such thing as a white lie, even if it's low, like it, it takes energy to lie, I think. And I feel like my energy is just better use being put into more productive things and trying to come up with some wacky scenario to make myself look good or get myself out of a thing or something. But I think that even outside of just avoiding a lie, like it just feels good. Like you feel like, if you're 100% authentic to myself, and this is again, me just speaking on my behalf, even if something doesn't work out, like if you're in a relationship that doesn't work out or a friendship that falls under, if you're 100% authentic with yourself and this person or people, then you feel like, okay, I did literally the best I could. I have nothing to be ashamed of. So even if it doesn't work out, I did everything I could. I have nothing to feel bad about. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, as long as I'm, uh, listen, at the end of the day, for me, like the gauge that I know that I'm like, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm doing okay. Is that if I can look at myself in the mirror at the end of the night and before I go to bed and be okay with my reflection, it's been a great day. But like, there used to be times where I was literally fucked up out of my mind up three day benders. I used to go, I tell the story on almost every interview because it's so important for people to hear this with themselves. I would pee in the dark. I would shower in the dark. I would even like put makeup on when I, when I did go out and party, like in a dimly lit room, I did not want to look at myself in the mirror. Didn't. So like now I have no problem. I have a mirror here, right here. You can see it right here in the bathroom. Like I'm always looking at myself. I want to look at myself. I do a gut check. Am I okay with myself? How do I feel about myself right now? Do I hate myself? Am I ashamed of myself? What's going on? Is there something I need to address? Like I look at myself every single day because for so long I didn't look at myself. You know, uh, and I was ashamed of who I was. So I'm not ashamed of who I am anymore. That's how you build confidence is stop lying to yourself and be honest with yourself. First and foremost, people think like, let me share it on social media and that'll make it real. No, fuck social media. Be honest with yourself. You're so worried about strangers on the internet. Worry about yourself. Be honest with yourself. That's what matters. 100%. And again, to piggyback off that, just one more thing, just it feels easier to be honest, be honest with other people, be honest with yourself. It's just easier, I think. And even if the truth is tough, I'd rather easily let something leave my lips and try to just navigate through my brain, twist my hair around to try to come up with a lie or just not be honest. And like you said, that honesty makes you feel confident because honesty comes so easily. And just mm -hmm. as much as this conversation has come so easily, which like, I've loved this conversation. I will say first off, thank you for coming on. 
And two, we just have one more thing. It's just going to be like a quick minute or two. I have this segment I like to end all my episodes with. I like to call it giving people their flowers, where it's basically just me telling my guests why I appreciate them, why I appreciate about them in case we never speak again. And I appreciate you because, well, first off, I appreciate you because you asked to come on the podcast. I'm always going to appreciate people who asked to come on. It's just, it's just a good feeling, I think. And um, so again, I thank you for reaching out. And second, I appreciate you because in addition to your honesty and just your overwhelming sincerity, I guess, that you've given through this whole podcast. I also just like the fact that everything you told me today, I recognize that you have just these amazing gifts, I think, so to speak, like call it the gift of insight I mentioned earlier, or the gift of gab, wherever you want to call it. But I think it's really admirable that you use these gifts to just help other people because you're an extremely successful person. You easily could just stay in retirement, stay on your laurels, so to speak, and just just enjoy your life, basically. But you choose to go out of your way to kind of get on these different platforms, get on these different podcasts, interviews, TV, whatever, radio, what have you, and just tell your experience. Like, in this episode alone, I think it's obvious that you are a very well-traveled person, not just as far as where you've been, like literally, but as far as just the things you've experienced on your journey and even professionally as well. And I think it's really cool that you use that firsthand knowledge to kind of expand your reach and just share it with the world, share it with people like myself. And I thank you for being so open to share that story. And again, I thank you for coming on this podcast. Thank you so much. That I have tears behind my eyeballs. You can't see it, but I do right now. I'm like, God damn, that is like the kindest, that is kind, very kind of you to say. I, I really, the way you said that, like, I'm like, thank you. Yes, that's right. <laughs> it made me feel good. Usually I would have been like, no, no, no. I was like, no, I thank you for seeing me. I appreciate that. <laughs>